another episode of Nashville Anthems, dissecting 80s and 90s country music. And big thank you to the Brothers Fault for providing the theme music for this episode. I'm your host, Melton McManerberry, and if this is your first time tuning in, or even if it isn't, what we're trying to do here is understand in some fundamental way why it is that 80s and 90s country music works particularly well as an era and a genre. And we're doing that inductively through close examination of the songs played on satellite radio's 80s and 90s country station, one at a time. Today's unsuspecting victim is Ronnie Millsap and his early 80s hit, He Got You. So, if you haven't already, I hope you'll pause me now and give He Got You several close listens. And now let's get into it. First off, as always, we want to give credit where credit is due, courtesy of my friend and yours, Wikipedia. He Got You was written by Ralph Murphy and Bobby Wood, and it was recorded and released by 70s and 80s country legend Ronnie Millsap in 1982 as the second of three singles from Millsap's not first, not second, but 15th studio album called Inside, an album that was produced by Millsap and another Nashville legend, record producer Tom Collins. He's worth a Google. Let's stop right there. Whatever happened to Ronnie Millsap? Is it just me, or is he something of a forgotten favorite in country music? Millsap was arguably the country music king of at least the mid-70s through the mid-80s. So granted, his sweet spot and this podcast's sweet spot don't perfectly align. But still, the guy was a superstar. Want some stats? And I mentioned that this episode's song, He Got You, went to number one on the country charts. And it happened to be Millsap's 20th number one single. And he'd have not one, not two, but 15 more number one singles after that. So total in his career, he had 35 U.S. country number ones, including songs like Smoky Mountain Rain, There's No Getting Over Me, She Keeps the Home Fires Burning, Stranger in My House, I Wouldn't Have Missed It for the World. Yeah, those are some Nashville anthems. So who has more number ones than he? Or try George Strait and Conway Twitty. How's <laughs> that for good company? Ronnie Millsap, doing Western North Carolina proud. Okay, everyone, this is Melton from the future. While I was preparing the Smoky Mountain Rain episode, I realized that I'd made a mistake in this episode. I wasn't really sure how I did this, but Ronnie Millsap does not have the third most number ones of all time in country music. He has the fourth most. Number three on that list is none other than Merle Haggard. Actually, I think the point of Ronnie Millsap's prominence in country music history is actually reinforced. He's not only in company with George Strait and Conway Twitty, he's in company with George Strait, Conway Twitty, and Merle Haggard. That's a pretty good company. Okay, back to the episode. And how's this? Ronnie Millsap had 12 number one country singles in the 1970s, 23 in the 1980s, carrying all the way to 1989, and zero in the 1990s. That's right, not a single one. So what happened to him? Well, I think we'll get into some of that in this episode. Millsap's career wane certainly coincided with neo-traditionalism's wax, as guys like Millsap and Twitty, on the one hand, were giving way on, or the other hand, to George Strait and Randy Travis. And we'll get into some of Millsap's signature style that, as the chips fell through the 80s, it seems just kind of happened to be on the outside looking in once neo-traditionalism had clearly won that battle by the early 90s. So let's dig into that a little bit more. I mentioned Millsap's 23 number ones in the 80s and none in the 90s. What about George Strait? Well, Strait's first number one came in 1982, the same year that He Got You came out, actually. Anybody want to guess what it was? 
George Strait's first number one was Fool-Hearted Memory. That's a great song. Anyway, that was the first of Strait's 17 number ones in the 1980s, and he followed that up with 17 more in the 1990s. Talk about Mr. Consistent. So you kind of see what happened, right? Guys like Millsap and Twitty, for that matter, were still dominant through most of the 80s, but the rise of George Strait and his neo-traditionalist Ken had clearly unseated them by the turn of the decade. So which of them was lost in the 50s? Well, let's get into it. Let's talk about He Got You from the inside to try to understand how its flavor can inform our understanding of 80s and 90s country music as a whole. So in 1982's He's Got You, similar to what we talked about with Alabama's 1981 single, Love in the First Degree, I'm hearing a mix of musical streams. Those streams are traditional country, mid-20th century R&B, and actually, let's save that last one. Give you a chance to think about it as we go through and see if you're hearing what I'm hearing. Because I think in large part, those first two, country and R&B, basically define Millsap's approach as an artist, and the last feels more unique that he's got you. At least I think so. Let's get into it. Let's start with mid-20th century R&B, because this is where Millsap cut his teeth as a musician in the 1960s, so it was always going to be with him. And again, perhaps that's why he wasn't able to keep up with the neo-traditionalist tie that swept in. Anyway, the connection between the sunglasses-sporting, piano-playing Ronnie Millsap and Ray Charles is immediately apparent anytime you see a photo or video of Ronnie Millsap at work. In fact, if you think of Millsap as something like a country version of Ray Charles, you're going to be pretty on the nose. Remember that Ray Charles famously and beautifully dappled in country music himself with the classic 1962 album Modern Sounds in Country and Western Music. So there is and was a natural connection there, at least in the middle part of the 20th century. There's, of course, a lot of Roy Orbison and a lot of Elvis in there, too. A little trivia for you. Ronnie Millsap played on Elvis's 1970 single, Kentucky Rain. photograph some old gray bearded men sitting on a bench outside a general store. They said yes. And there's a song that has some of what I'm talking about here with Millsap's 50s and 60s R&B mojo. Not just in the similarity in names with Smoky Mountain Rain, by the way, but that, that is part of it. Both are like an adult version of 50s rock and roll with its heavy influence of gospel and R&B. I've had a change of dreams, I'm coming home. But tears filled my eyes when I found out she was gone. There's a lot of soul in it, right? It's groove-centric with a natural swing vibe that feels like Sinatra filtered through some of those 50s and 60s influences. So kind of think of all that as fully baked, grown up, adult, if you will, and add a nostalgic retro feel to it, and you're getting at what Ronnie Millsap was doing in the early 1980s. And I guess that's pretty much what adult contemporary is, right? At least what it was at the time. And he got you was dripping with it. I mean, to give you an idea, the first track from the album Inside, the one that he got you was on, was Any Day Now, a Burt Bacharach song. Yeah. So a big part of it is the horns. And let me just bite the bullet and own up to this. Feels like this happens a lot, right? In the previous episode on Elvira, I off the cuff stated that I didn't know of even one other 80s or 90s country song with horns in it. So naturally, our very next selection makes heavy use of horns. Could it have been otherwise? 
Well, the horns on He Got You are featured with little staccato licks to fill spaces in the turnarounds between verses, which alternate between F chords and D minor chords like this. As well as in the bridge. Sometimes the wine tastes bitter. They also show up in the song's chorus, laying down the harmonic pad for Millsap's tenor vocals. He got a lifetime of love to see him through. And they definitely place the song at least somewhat in that 50s swing world, right? Actually, same as they did in Elvira, although we didn't really talk about that aspect of their effect in that episode. In Chicago, Chicago. The town of Billy Sunday could not shut down. It may be closer to something like Tom Jones in the 60s, which had its own mooring toward 50s Sinatra and Dean Martin. It's not unusual. But I think either way, the horns are pulling He Got You West from Tennessee on I-40 up toward Las Vegas. And we get all that without even mentioning the Bobby Sue-esque retro saxophone solo right in the middle of the song. So there's some clear mid-century nostalgia going on here, right? I mean, the saxophone solo puts it over the top if there was any doubt before that. I would kind of lump He Got You and that nostalgia in with some of what Huey Lewis and the News were doing, like this grown-up baby boomer thing that was happening around the same time. There was this strand of music in the 80s that let grown-ups with kids and mortgages get lost in the 50s, at least for three and a half minutes. You hear this mid-century R&B thing, too, in Ronnie Millsap's soulful vocals. It's kind of dripping off him in subtle ways throughout the vocal, but a couple of highlights are the fade-out, where he kind of starts vamping on a repeated tag of the song's title. He got you, baby. He got you. And I love this one. In the last verse, where he recapitulates the line from the first verse, he got the pain, but changes it up. Give a listen. A little John Anderson-like fade-in on that vowel, right? So all that I've said so far is pretty well known as part of Millsap's shtick. It's what he does when he delivers a song. It's, a, it's his wheelhouse, and he's very good at it. But what about the influence of country music? What's pulling the song in the other direction on I-40, from Memphis toward Nashville? Well, it's absolutely in the lyrics. This is country music, and we do... This is obviously a lament about lost love, which is a country trope, but what is He Got You's particular and specifically relatable take on that idea that we often talk about on this podcast? Well, it's pretty stark. With the exception of the last line of the bridge, this song entirely consists of these couplets, these opposing experiences about the same situation. Across the board, the unnamed winner 
referred to as simply he, got the long end of the stick, and the first-person narrator got the short. This is without exception, and really without nuance either. There is no sense in which the protagonist has won and the antagonist has lost. This was an utter and complete victory, a dark cloud that forgot to bring its silver lining. The message of the song is one that says, take your empty platitudes about looking on the bright side, hanging in there, and blessings in disguise to someone who listened to them, because they aren't accomplishing anything here. This is a better off in a pine box message, right? It's bad enough to lose the one you love, but to sense and acknowledge the finality of the one you love's being settled with someone else is gut-wrenching. You have now not only the grief of loss, but the humiliation of defeat, and that's where this song specifically takes it. Listen to some of these opposites, what the victor has received versus what the vanquished has to live with. We have sunshine versus rain, love versus pain, good times versus bad, and listen to this one. You, as in this lost love and all that comprises her, you versus the memories. How's that for a reality check? That line takes the hallmark sentiment that someone you've lost is always with you if you only remember them, rolls its eyes at it, and changes the channel. Notice the use of apostrophe, too, something we saw in Pretty Little Adriana as well as in Colin Ray's I Can Still Feel You. Who is Millsap talking to? The three figures in the song are all pronouns. He, I, and you. The song is in the second person, addressed to the only person who is most definitely not there to hear it the lost love. So there's a wallowing aspect to this song's take on heartbreak. And all this sort of specific, straightforward emotional honesty is something we've seen in nearly every selection we've tackled on Nashville anthems, and it's surely part of the DNA of at least 80s and 90s country music, and perhaps even of country music in general. So that's all well and good. We've talked about how he got you blend something like grown-up 50s, 60s, blue-eyed R&B soul with country music's real-life head-on tackling of emotional situations. But again, really, all that is more or less Ronnie Millsap's M.O. There's a third thing, though, that I argue is unexpected in this song, maybe even unwelcome, in this confluence of musical trends of the early 80s. Are you hearing it? Anybody guessed it yet? I'm going to give you another warning to brace yourself because you won't be able to unhear this once you hear it. I hear in Ronnie Millsap's He Got You a blend of country, mid-century R&B, and disco. Now, what am I hearing that makes me say that? Well, it's really two things, the beat and the harmony. Let's talk about the beat in this song because it is unapologetically dominant in the overall feel of He Got You. Boom, 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 boom. Lather, rinse, repeat. The beat of this song is defined by a steady, unvarying, and relentless four on the floor. One, two, three, four, bass drum. He got the sunshine. which is a defining characteristic of disco. Especially when the bass guitar plays along, as it does for the most part here. The steady pace and percussive way that the bass guitar articulates those quarter notes is important too. They're all accented, meaning that they are hit hard on the initial attack, 
But they're not short. Notice that. He got your got- they're not long either. They are cut off without being allowed to keep ringing. But they're not just attack. There is some sustain, a brief tail on each node before it's cut off. Basically, what you're hearing in that groove are full-value eighth notes alternating with completely silent eighth rests. And again, that has disco written all over it. But it's weird in this song, right? Nothing in the song except the bass guitar and kick drum are doing that. The horns are playing that lick we talked about earlier, which you hear a lot in the rhythm guitar as well, and the vocals. The sax solo is really just all over the song. It's one and two and. Hear that? One and two and. And big accent on the upbeat of two and kind of everything else, while the bass and kick drum are sitting completely silent through one of those eighth rests. He got the sunshine. I got the rain. One and two and. Listen to it on the bridge. Millsap sings, Sometimes the wine tastes bitter. Sometimes the wine tastes bitter. Sometimes the wine is exactly that one and two and rhythm. Then the rest of the syllables in that line are all on upbeats, a la Faith Hill's wild one. Sometimes the wine tastes bitter. Wine, tastes, bit, and ter are all in between beats. Sometimes the wine tastes bitter. There's a lot of syncopation there, and syncopation being exactly the opposite of the four on the floor beat in the rhythm section. That steady four on the floor just isn't a natural fit at all for the rest of this song. It feels superimposed on it, imported across trends from disco to country pop R&B, where it took over like kudzu. I'll give an example of another 80s song that does something similar from outside of country music. This is the ABBA song, The Winner Takes It All, another gut-wrenchingly poignant song about lost love, this time otherwise delivered like a show tune rather than like a retro R&B tune like he got you. But listen to the intrusion of the steady one, two, three, four percussion after the first verse and chorus. Not quite four on the floor, granted, but same idea. It feels disjointed, right? A little forced. And I do think the percussion on He Got You has a similar effect, for better or for worse. So that's the disco beat. What about disco harmony? Well, it's in the chords. And I'll admit, I'm more confident about some of these than I am about others. But when you're talking about this sort of thing, it's tough to be extremely precise. Because the color in these chords is coming from subtle changes. How's that for hedging? (laughs) I do want you to let me know if you're hearing different harmony in some of these places. But here's what I hear. Let's start with the major sevenths, which I'm definitely hearing. These have come up multiple times in this podcast as an example of chords that add something like bittersweet or melancholy color to a chord versus just a standard major triad. And along with minor seventh chords, which we're going to talk about in a moment, major sevenths are a harmonic hallmark of disco. Here's some examples from disco.
The aforementioned The Winner Takes It All actually does this too. It has this recurring progression where it plays with the tonic of the chord, dropping it in a half step to form a major seventh. Seeing me so tense. That one. No, that chord right there. That's a major seventh chord. So major sevenths occur as kind of the default major chord in He Got You, but the easiest place to hear it is toward the ends of the verses with the line from the first and third verse, see him through. That word through is prototypical for a major seventh. See him through. So the song He Got You is an F to give F major a good blue-eyed soul key, as we heard in Pretty Little Adriana, and in Two Teardrops, a nice key for a keyboardist as well. And the melody notes Millsap is singing on that see him through line are high Fs on see him and the E below those on through that he soulfully rolls it down through most of a D natural minor scales we'll discuss in a moment. But that E melody note is the major seventh of the song's tonic chord, an F major chord. And this little section of the song really builds toward that chord. Because the one before, the one the high Fs on C hymn are sung over, is this gospel chord. It's something like a G minor 7th over C. You have a tension in the chord like that. The notes are all like fighting with each other for resolution. With everything crying out to land solidly here on the tonic F chord, release that tension. But what happens in He Got You is a bit of a rug sweep, as the song's tone can't allow it to be that triumphant, right? So instead of giving us that strong melody F over that F chord, Millsap sings a non-committal E, a major seventh over that F chord. And as we've said, major sevenths do more than this, but in the context of a song with this strong four-on-the-floor beat, it at least, in part, functions here to invoke the lushness of disco. And the final thing I want to note harmonically on the disco front are minor sevenths. Because more than anything else we've talked about so far, minor sevenths are a hallmark of disco music, so much so that it's basically a cliche. Let's see where we find them in He Got You. Now, when the arrangement is as full and lush as this one already is, as I kind of alluded to earlier, it's not easy to discern something as subtle as the difference between a minor chord and a minor seventh chord. But I think I'm hearing minor sevenths essentially every time the song plays a minor chord, which it does a lot of. There are a lot of both D minors or D minor sevenths and G minors or G minor sevenths, and he got you. Let's go back to that same spot we were just looking at. Backing up one chord, we run into a G minor for sure, and a G minor 7th, I do believe, especially as it comes right after a B-flat major 7th. Actually, that, that progression, that whole progression starting with He Got Forever is this. It's B-flat major 7th, G minor 7th, G minor 7th over C, F major 7th, and then it goes down to a D minor 7th. Alan Jackson, this ain't, okay? Notice Millsap's melody, too, as he stretches that word through, through many different notes. He's singing this. That's moving around on, depending on how you look at it, either an F major scale 
or a D natural minor scale. Those have the same notes, but I would argue it feels more like a natural minor, especially because of the note he ends on a low D. So the point here is that there was a relationship between the natural minor scale and a minor seventh chord. Basically, a minor seventh chord, in this case a D minor seventh, is a D minor chord, which is one minor third, five, with this note added, minor seventh, which is the seventh degree of the natural minor scale. I keep saying natural minor, by the way, because there are other flavors of minor scale which actually sharpen the seventh degree, and the fact that it's not sharpened here is exactly what gives it its minor seventh disco flavor. By the way, the intro to the rhythm guitar lick and horn lick that we've been talking about in the turnarounds, that alternates between F and D minor. When it goes to the D minor, prominently here, that minor seventh note, which is a C, you hear that played in the lick like this. That note right there, that's a C, which is the minor seventh of a D minor chord. All right. Phew. <laughs> I normally do music theory stuff closer to the beginning of an episode while you're still primed for it, and I may have made a mistake in placing this one so close to the end. But either way, let's let it go at that. I think we've successfully seen this one through to describe what at least I'm hearing in this song as an amalgamation of 50s and 60s R&B, 80s country, and, yep, 70s disco. i love to hear what you hear in this song, especially if what I'm tasting as bitter, you're tasting as sweet. But let's put this one away, and before I send you a letter goodbye, let's find out what song we'll be looking at on the next episode of Nashville Anthems. To that end, I'm going to pull up Satellite Radio's 80s and 90s country station right now and see what's playing. Uh, the song this is a song that we have tackled before. In fact, it's our first song, Patty Loveless, How Can I Help You Say Goodbye? Of course, we won't be doing another episode on that, so I'm going to wait this one out in real time and fast forward in your time. All right, the next song has come up, and it's taken us back to the Vince Gill well for the third time. The song is A Little More Love. I look forward to getting into that one with you in two weeks. Until then, you can write me at meltonmcmainerberry at gmail.com or look up Nashville Anthems on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks for listening. Bye now. Better go. I think it's going to rain. <laughs>